Welcome back, listeners, to another commodity update brought to you by the team at Mikaro. This is myself, Andrew Whitelaw, and I'll be joined with Olivia Agar. This week, we won't be covering off on livestock. Uh, we'll just be covering off on grains and wool. Uh, normally, Robert Herman would be covering off on wool, but uh, he is off doing some charity aid work over in Uganda. Uh, he's actually out there helping b- building uh, pig shelters, which might be quite handy for them, considering the way the pig prices are going at the moment. So we have got uh, Olivia stepping up to the plate to give us an update on the wool market, which has, you know, somebody famously said it can only go one way, and that is up. And at the moment, it seems to be going quite the opposite. So she's going to fill us in on what is happening there. But first of all, I'll cut off on grains. Really interesting week in the grains market. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, government departments can throw us a couple of surprises and, uh, well, I guess a spanner in the work. Uh, we had the USDA report out on Monday. There was a lot of analysts out there expecting this was going to be the, uh, the the ignition for a you know a big rise in prices. And it caught a lot of people by surprise because, well, everyone was expecting, you know, corn yields to be down, corn acreage to be down, and basically a bit of a bloodbath when it came to corn. Quite the opposite. The uh, USDA came out and, yeah, larger supplies... Uh, less exports due to lower demand and ethanol usage was going to be down. So most analysts were expecting a big decline in uh, production. The reality is that uh, they've pumped up production from the July report. So a really big surprise. And as you would come to expect, uh, we've seen as prices of seabot uh, corn been smashed basically and that caused a flow on effect to the wheat market and we saw wheat prices down about you know 12 to 15 dollars in uh, for the chicago futures in aussie dollar terms uh, locally in australia obviously there's a little bit more confidence there in terms of uh, you know the production in victoria but still things are quite dry in new south wales and queensland that's probably a bit of an understatement actually it's very dry uh, so we are seeing ASX prices dropping, but basis is still staying quite strong. Uh, it's really just reflecting the actual fall in overseas markets. Uh, it's the actual fall in CBOT. And, uh, sorry, ASX. So really, it's a bit of a case of that USDA report provided some surprises. Probably not the way we wanted it to go for producers. You know, USDA always likes to throw a curler out there, and they've definitely done it this time. Uh, there is a bit of skepticism about you know the way they uh, create their reports. You know whether we will see some revisions downwards, uh, but we will just see what happens in future reports. On the Mercado website this week, uh, uh, we have looked at obviously we did look on Tuesday at the results of the WASDA or World Agricultural Supply and Demand estimates, uh, so you can look at it in a bit more detail on there. But one of the analyses that we did this week was uh, quite an interesting one. Uh, we normally talk about Chicago or ASX futures, but obviously there's a lot more contracts out there than that. There's, you know, probably there's the French, there's the British, there's the South African, and there's the Black Sea futures. And we thought we'd take a look at the Black Sea futures and see if it correlated with uh, with Australian prices. And we looked at this a year ago, and yeah, there was a reasonably strong correlation. I kind of expected uh, that correlation to have dropped out and become, you know less correlated than it was previously but interestingly enough the correlation has actually increased uh, which is really surprising considering the fact that 
you know, our prices and our marketplaces have actually, you know, been priced at a very big premium to the rest of the world. But in reality, those uh, Black Sea uh, futures, you know, correlate pretty strongly with Australian prices. So it's really interesting that and really surprising to me. It was I was expecting to be writing a report saying quite the opposite. But, you know, we all get surprises and that's sometimes a good thing. Uh, I probably would be definitely taking a bit of caution if I was using that for my uh, hedging purposes. But, you know, if it continues in this in this sort of manner, uh, the, the, it will be an appropriate method of hedging for, for Australian wheat prices. That's all from me on grains. I'm going to uh, pass you off to Olivia. Uh, she will cover off on wool. And uh, yeah, she's got some interesting stuff to say. Thanks, Andrew. It's not often that the wool market takes center stage over livestock, but it well and truly has this week. So for this week of sale, we've seen one of the largest corrections in a short period of time that the wool market's ever seen. By the end of the day on Wednesday, the Eastern Market Indicator had dropped 112 cents. And speaking to some brokers, there was some really good buying activity at the end of the day on Wednesday. So there was a bit of hope that the market might pick up and take a turnaround on Thursday, but that just didn't eventuate and there was another drop in the EMI by 52 cents. Looking at it from a longer term perspective, since the market started to turn from its peak last year, the EMI has dropped 26%. So in percentage terms, it hasn't been the biggest correction that we've ever seen. Uh, The previous correction was back in 2011-2012 period where the market fell 33% in just over a year. And before that, the largest correction was back in 2003 and it took till the end of 2005 where the Um, the price dropped 47% or 569 cents over that two-year period. So this correction has been pretty high and up there in terms of the scale of the fall. Um, And when looking at the 19.5 and 21 micron in US dollar terms, it is very similar to that 2011 cycle that we saw. So if we use that as a bit of an indicator as to how things might play out in the next few weeks, um, then the prices are getting pretty low in foreign buyer terms and so we hopefully should see some support turn up. Another interesting point to note is that despite the falling market, the current price is still sitting higher than the previous two peaks. But as you can expect, there was plenty of growers not happy with where the levels were this week and 35% of the offering at auction was passed in. Now, a forwards market does exist, though, for wool, and it's times like these when growers should be thinking about how they manage their price risk and taking some cover on just a portion of their clip. So there's only about 2% of wools actually hedged on the forwards market, but some of Mercado's clients that have forwards sold were able to lock in 21 micron at $21 for October, which looks at the moment like it'll be pretty good protection through this downturn period. Thanks for that, Olivia. I bet Robert is glad that he doesn't have to report and uh, pass on the bad news on that particular market. So I bet he's happy that he's overseas at the moment. As per usual, we only ask one thing from you, our dear listeners. Uh, Please leave us a like, uh, rate us on wherever you listen to this and uh, share with your friends, your family, your colleagues. Uh, if you have any ideas for podcasts or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you know, just give us a bell and uh, we can see if we can sort something out. The purpose of these is really to get information out to people and, and that's one of our guest aims is to you know, help people become you know, informed on what's happening in the market and the, the wider agricultural sort of sphere. So definitely, uh, you know, we, we're glad and we really appreciate that you guys are listening. So thanks very much. Uh, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.